This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Hey everyone, good to be back with you. Today I'm going to teach on Jesus the Healer. And my heart is to not simply show you biblically why God can heal or why healing is for today, but I'm believing that we're going to go deeper, that we're actually going to press deeper into the heart of God and see God's great love for those who are sick. In faith, that we will receive that same love ourselves, that a compassion will come our way for those who are sick, for those who are suffering. You know, I remember uh, a few years ago, I was out playing golf with somebody I really respect, a great man. And he, he told me, he said, you know, Michael, I just, I'm not sure that healing is what your generation needs. And I thought to myself, wow. Okay. And I said, well, what do they need, Pastor? He said, hope. I thought to myself, well, how about hope for the sick? Don't they need hope? And just before that, I had flown in to um, Houston to go preach at TBN at their local affiliate. This was years ago. And I got there, and, um, and I, I, I took this shuttle from the uh, airport to the hotel. And it was called the Blue Shuttle. And I thought, I, I didn't know much about them. I just wanted to save money. I thought those shuttles just took you and only you directly to where you needed to go. And when I got on that shuttle, I saw that there were like 20 other people, only to find out that we had to stop at each stop. And what could have been like a 15-minute drive ended up being like an hour drive. Well, on the way to where I needed to go, um, we stopped at a place. It was a massive building. The parking lot was huge. It was jam-packed. And the building, like I said, was was massive. And people were going in and out of this thing, in and out, on like a revolving door. It looked like a massive mall. And when I looked at the sign, it said MD Anderson Cancer Center. And for those of you who know anything about uh, sickness, and uh, you know about the amazing work there at MD Anderson, this massive cancer center that treats people for cancer. And my heart began to break because I began to see how many people were coming in and going out. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me on that bus. He said this, he said, Michael, do you think healing is relevant for all of these people? And I thought, Father, let the day come where this place will be empty. Nothing against the place, but I don't want anyone to have that wretched disease. And so God's love begins to work in us like this. You know, he begins to stir us up in his love to believe him for what Jesus paid for. And actually, as I'm, as I'm teaching this podcast, I'm, I'm on the heels of a, of a difficult day. Yesterday was my 40th birthday. I never thought I'd turn 40. I still don't think it really happened. I tried to explain to my son yesterday uh, that I'm not in my 40s. He said, yeah, you are. I said, well, I think it really starts at 41. But yesterday was my birthday. I had an amazing birthday. I got to spend it with my children and, and, and Jessica. And 
We just spent the whole day together. But last night on the way to dinner, actually Jess and I were waiting for our table, and I, I checked my phone, and I saw that a good friend of mine named Nabil Qureshi passed away from stomach cancer. And it broke me up. It broke me up because uh, some friends uh, of mine, Daniel Kalenda, Tyrone Gray, uh, Scott Lee, and Eric Gilmore, actually flew to pray for Nabil um, this year. And uh, we, li- we went there to lay hands on him. And Nabil actually went public with that. Um, before we went there, I had heard Nabil was in Reading when I was out there. And he was there believing God for a miracle. And, you know, though Nabil comes from a different camp than, than I, I don't even like to use those words, but, you know, I guess he comes from a different stream that typically isn't very vocal about God's desire to heal. They, I, I'm sure many believe that, but you just it's not spoken of very often. And um, Nabil was really honest with us at the time that, that it was a big step for him to kind of branch out into the charismatic world and but he was desperate and we showed up and we showed up in great faith at his house actually Daniel called me and said hey man I'm thinking about going to see Nabil I would you like to come and and yeah I went I flew all the way from Reading and I actually got delayed on the way home it actually took two days to get home but man it was worth it I didn't fly there to see Nabil or I didn't fly there to go preach a big meeting I flew there for one person and all of us should, should think along those lines. All of us should have this kind of heart where if someone's suffering, even if we have to cross the globe to get to them, they're worth it. And I remember being really tired before I left, thinking, well, you know, my three buddies are going. And, and traveling out of Reading at the time, I, I don't live in Reading anymore, but I was there for an extended sabbatical just resting and receiving. And, and traveling out of there can be so difficult. It's a long day out and a long day home. And I thought, well, am I really even needed to go? And certainly a breakthrough can come there without me. But the Lord spoke to me there. And I remember at a hallway there in Reading, he said, Michael, I gave you this gift so that you would steward it properly. And it's not up to you to determine uh, who gets prayed for. I need you to listen to me. And so I went, and to be honest, there were prophetic, beautiful prophetic moments prior to that that even Nabil had experienced in dreams. I believe our visit was ordained by God, and Nabil did not get healed. And if you've never looked up the life of Nabil Karishi, he's an absolute champion. He's a, a bold lion of a saint. He was a former Muslim who had encounters with Jesus and actually began to examine the legitimacy of of the Quran and then compared to the legitimacy of the scriptures of the Bible. And according to Nabil, it was a very clear verdict in his own heart. And Nabil, following his examining of the legitimacy of the scriptures and the legitimacy of the life of Jesus and the legitimacy of of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, he said there was no way he could say no. And then following that, he had dreams of the Lord and gave his life to the Lord and began to preach the gospel fearlessly in, in, in debate forums, 
but became one of the world's greatest apologists. And more than that, when we met with him there in Houston, he treated us like a brother. And I actually, um, I actually had the joy of staying in touch with him after that. And uh, the Jesus image uh, actually helped him uh, get to Reading. He wanted to go one more time. I'm not sure if he went, but I, I told him Jesus image was willing to help him. So seeing that he passed away after praying for him and praying for him after we laid hands on him, definitely uh, it hurts. And it hurts for a lot of reasons, to be honest with you. It hurts because... I know Jesus paid a price so that all could be healed. Uh, I'm not in guilt and condemnation, but I'm not at the same time numb to the pain of his wife and his children. He, he was married with children, young. He was 34 years old. He had a great future in front of him. And it was not God's will that Nabil die of cancer. God did not give him that cancer. So these are the things you juggle as uh, men and women of faith. These are mysteries that I don't understand. I feel like we did all we knew how to do, and I, I believe the same of, of Nabil. At the same time, I know there's more, and I, I, we can't blame Jesus. I only know that if Nabil had gone to Jesus, had Jesus in the flesh walked into Nabil's house, Jesus would have not turned him away according to the biblical standard. And so it's been a tough 24 hours for me. It's been, it's been difficult. I, I have to have more of God. I have to have more of God. I am tired of seeing people die. And I hope you are too. I'm just, I'm just bearing my soul to you right now. I, and just sharing what, what's been going through my mind and my heart. It was a difficult night for me. It's been a difficult day because... You know, people come to you with the expectation of breakthrough. And the sick search the world through and through for a man or woman of God who walks with the Lord in such a deep, united way that if they can just get to them, they can meet Jesus and get their breakthrough. And I feel like the world deserves that. You know, those people suffering deserve someone who, if they get their hands on them, that sick, suffering person can believe that this is my moment of breakthrough. And, um, well, it just, it just didn't happen. And I want it to happen. And so I've gone to the Lord in secret over the last day. I've gone to him and said, Lord, I don't know what I'm missing. I know you're good. Something Bill taught us, Bill Johnson taught, is that, look, you can't build your theology based on your failures or based on lack of breakthrough, I should say, not failures. But build your theology on what God, on what God says in the Scriptures and what God has done. And those two things... Build faith. And so that's what I'm having to do. But in secret, I go to the Lord and say, Lord, touch my life. Don't let this happen again. It's not okay. It's not okay that little kids went home last night without an amazing dad named Nabil. 
It's not okay, Lord, that, that the scriptures are eternal in nature and that you're eternal and that you don't change. And all the promises are there and it's all there in our account and yet yet, yet we didn't make the, the withdrawal in Nabil's life. And um, God, show me. Touch my life. Let me go deeper. Trust me. Trust me as a man or, or trust me as a, as a woman who can, who can be trusted with an anointing that drives these terminal diseases out of people's bodies left and right. So, yeah, I thought I'd share that with you. That's what's on my heart today. And, um, but let's get, let's get into the scriptures. Go to, go to Matthew chapter 8 and do me a favor. Please pray for Nabil, uh, for Nabil's family, for those children, for his wife. Pray that the Lord will turn this morning into joy, that they'll be so convinced of, of, Nabil, of Nabil's eternal home, that heaven will be more real to them than any, anything else. Heaven is real. And you know what? Why don't we do that now? Father, we lift up Nabil's family. We thank you for his memory. We thank you that his memory will never die. We thank you that the fruit that you worked in him and through him are eternal and that he'll be remembered as a man who loved Jesus, as a bold lion who flowed in the power of the Holy Spirit, exalting Jesus like few have in our generation. Now, Father, I pray for grace on the family and wipe the tears away and bring a deep peace in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 8 really speaks to, the, to what I'm talking about beautifully. Let's begin in verse 1. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I want you to underline, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Verse 3, And then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed, and Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Verse 1, And when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Well, if he came down a mountain, that means he went up a mountain, Right? When did Jesus go up this mountain? Well, the answer is in Matthew 5, verse 1. So turn left, take a hard left, and go to Matthew 5. You'll see there in verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. So Jesus, I've been to that mountain. It's, it's not a massive mountain, but it's certainly a mountain. And Jesus climbed this mountain. I love that about him. I love that Jesus was a rugged, real man. He was a rugged carpenter. He was tender, yeah, but he was tough, and he was a hard worker. And here Jesus climbs that mountain and begins, and he sits down after he climbs a mountain. Have you ever climbed a mountain? It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And he sits down and begins to teach. And he teaches what most believe to be the greatest sermon in history, the Beatitudes, or the Sermon on the Mount. So he teaches Matthew 5. Look at this. He teaches Matthew 5, 
releases the Beatitudes. You see here in verse 13 of Matthew 5, he talks about salt and light. Verse 14, you're the light of the world. Verse 17, if you skip, verses 17 through uh, 20, he talks about himself fulfilling the law. Verses 21 through 26, he talks about uh, the, the necessity of having a pure heart, that literally murder begins in the heart. Verses 27 through 30, he speaks of adultery of the heart. Speaking about, uh, you know, if a man lusts for a woman in his heart, he has already committed adultery with her. Verse 31 through 32, he's talking about the sanctity and the binding nature of marriage. That uh, that if we divorce, if, if there's divorce for any other reason than adultery, that it, that it, that it actually... Uh, is wrong, that it's sin, and if you remarry after that, it is adultery. Verse 33, he talks about uh, your word, keeping your word, the, the not swearing on anything. 38 and through 42, verse 38 through 42, he talks about serving, going the second mile. Don't resist an evil person. Um, just an amazing thing. Ver- verses 43 through 48, he talks about loving your enemies. This is all in just chapter 5. Then you get into chapter 6. He teaches the Lord's Prayer and how to pray. Talks about purity in prayer and not doing it or not giving charitable deeds for any other reason than to do it before the Lord. He talks about forgiveness in verses 14 through 15 and how that plays into prayer, but also how it plays into our own forgiveness. He says in verse 14 here, that if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven, basically. So, verses 16 through uh, 18, he's talking about fasting. Verses 19 through 21, he's talking about laying up treasures in heaven. This is all in chapter 6. Then he talks about, just to speed things up, the lamp of the body. He begins to discuss not serving God and God and mammon. To the end of chapter 6, he's preaching against worrying, telling us not to worry. How much more valuable are we than the birds of the air? Verse or Chapter 7, he begins to talk about judgment, the, dan- the danger of judgment. Uh, then he moves into, in chapter 7, asking, seeking, and knocking. Talks about the narrow way. He talks about knowing people by their fruit. He talks about the, this, this amazing verse. In verse verse twenty one of chapter seven, that he that that living a life outside of intimacy with God and lordship and still working wonders is a dangerous thing. Remember, he says that many will say to me in that day, "Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and worked many wonders in your name?" And I'll declare to them, "I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness." That's verses twenty two and twenty three, and then towards the end of chapter seven. He begins to teach on building your life on the rock, on his word and on his person. That's a lot of preaching. So after preaching, at first after climbing a mountain, okay, actually after having a massive healing service in chapter 4, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in the synagogues. This is verse 23 of chapter 4. I know I'm skipping around here, but I really want to paint the picture. 
So Matthew 4.23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and kinds of disease among the people. His fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were sick. All. All who were sick. All means all. All of the sick they brought to him who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, and, and he healed them. And great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And seeing the multitudes, what multitudes? The multitudes he had just healed. So if people were being brought, all who were sick were being brought to him. Imagine the size of the multitude. Imagine how many people <coughs> he prayed for. He prayed for all the sick there. If you look at verses 23 through 25 of chapter 4. And after praying for all of them, he climbs a mountain. Well, think of the effort. Think of the toll on his physical body. Climbs that mountain all the way up, has a seat, and teaches chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. That's amazing. I mean, I preach one sermon and I'm tired. Here Jesus is preaching the greatest sermon ever. Three chapters worth. And finally we get to chapter 8, verse 1. And it says, when he had come down that mountain. You ever run a stadium? We used to have to do that when I was still playing golf. Our trainers would make us run stadiums. Man, it was way, it was difficult going up. But man, was it way more difficult coming down. And that's what Jesus does here. He's coming down now after teaching. And somebody comes to him and breaks tradition and law. And it says in verse 2, And behold, a leper came. And worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This leper had spent his life, for as long as he had leprosy, as a castaway, as being forced to live in solitude in the leper colony. If he was anywhere near those who did not have leprosy, he had to say, I'm unclean, unclean, unclean. Leprosy is a horrible disease. Your limbs fall off. Your skin is eaten up. You have open sores all over your body until finally you die. And it was also known in the scriptures as a symbol of sin. So here's this man completely rejected by society. The law demanded that he be an outcast. Yet the one was walking here again who fulfilled the law. The old covenant demanded that this man stay away. But Jesus was not bound by a time period. Jesus is the covenant. That's what Isaiah 49 says. The Bible says, as the Father speaks to the Son in Isaiah 49, He tells the Son, I will give you as a covenant to them. Jesus is the covenant. That's why He wasn't bound by the Sabbath. He said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Son of Man is even greater than the Sabbath. So Jesus fulfilled the law. So coming to Jesus, it was never a sin. And here comes this leper, breaks all the rules, and he comes to Jesus, and the Bible says he worshipped him. You know, I see, I see this happening a few times in the Scriptures. We see this with the Syrophoenician woman. Here she is, a Gentile. She's not even allowed... A uh, well, let me put it this way. Jesus wasn't sent to the Gentiles. He said that, that he was sent to the children of Israel. And here comes this Gentile woman with a daughter back home who has a demon. 
And she starts begging Jesus. Jesus says, uh, I'm, not, I'm not to give the bread to the dogs. But she did something. The Bible says she worshipped him. And we know what she said. That statement will live on forever. The Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. And how it moved his heart. And he was amazed by her faith. I feel and I believe with all my heart that worship will take you places that tradition never will. Worship will take you places the law could never take you. Worship seems to give you a key to the heart of God. I want you to hear me right now because I know those of you listening are in need. I'm sure you're facing possibly something in your body. And you saw the title of this podcast. The, pod, the, the title is Jesus the Healer. And you're waiting for me to pray for you. You're waiting for your moment, and your moment's coming. It's just around the corner. But I want to tell you something. Don't wait for that moment. Just worship Jesus. Worship is the key to his heart. Worship is the key to his heart. Worship transcends time. Why do you think David was allowed in to see in Psalm 22 what the suffering Messiah would experience? You've pierced my hands and my feet. That's Jesus speaking through David. I believe David's ability to worship allowed him to see a day that transcended the covenant he was under, that thrust him into the eternal covenant, the one who is the covenant, Jesus. Jesus is the covenant. We see that in the life of David again when he wants to take Jerusalem, but no kings could take Jerusalem. Nobody could take it. The Jebusites had that thing locked down. There was no way anybody could get Jerusalem from the Jebusites. But David was a worshiper. And the Bible says something, that he found a way in through the waterways. The waterways, the move of the Holy Spirit, and the secret treasures of the Word. Those waterways would have been in the dark. They would have been like tunnels of water. What does that speak of? The secret revelation that comes through the washing of the word and the flow of the Holy Spirit. Water always speaks of two things in the Bible. Well, three, really. It speaks of the Spirit. It speaks of the word and the spirit of man. That's why the Bible says, deep calleth unto deep. My deep calleth unto your deep. Water unto water. The depths of my spirit unto the Holy Spirit, who is, who is the water of God. And David finds a way in and takes Jerusalem and took what nobody could take because he was a worshiper. And if you need a miracle, I'm going to tell you, look, don't worship for your miracle. Just worship Jesus because of Jesus. I've heard people say, oh, why do you have to have so much worship in your meetings to see people healed? Let me say off the bat, miracles are no miracles. We worship Jesus. I don't, I don't worship Jesus in our meetings so that people will get healed. Healing is part of the atonement. Now, when we worship Jesus, the manifest presence of God comes, and then he begins to heal people. But that's not why we worship Jesus. If nobody ever got healed again, which is not God's will, we would still worship Jesus. When we gather, we worship because of who he is. And so I want to make really clear, we're not, we're not worshiping Jesus to try to pull some miracle button on him, to try to pull this lever called miracles 
No, we worship Jesus because he's beautiful, because he's wonderful, and we want to. So worship gives you a key to the heart of God, and it actually pulls on the emotions of the Lord, which I think is amazing. It's amazing to me. So verse 2, the Bible says in in chapter 8, that the leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I want you to see a few things here. Number one, he called him Lord. He knew that Jesus was greater than his circumstance. Not only greater than his circumstance, but greater than him. He had a revelation of lordship here. He understood that Jesus was greater than him, that he was and is who he says he is. Number two, if you're willing, you can make me clean. This is something that that we all have dealt with in the past, that we all have to rectify in our own hearts, and that that people are still wondering today. Maybe you are. Maybe you're you're thinking, I I know, Lord, you can do it, but I I just want to I just wonder if you're willing. And that's what was going on with this leper. He said, I know you can, if you're willing, it'll happen. And Jesus does not waste a moment. Look at verse three. This was Jesus's answer. Verse 3 says, he put out his hand and touched him and then said, I'm willing to be cleansed. I'm going to read that again. The leper asked the question in verse 2. And in verse 3, Jesus says, or the Bible says, Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing to be cleansed. Notice Jesus touched him before he spoke. Now I'm not I'm not building a doctrine here saying that this happens like this every time but what I'm saying is in this circumstance the compassion of Jesus jumped out of him he couldn't stay away from this guy and he had to touch him and his touch beat his prayer to the punch he touched him first and then prayed that's incredible Can't you see the compassion of Jesus? And don't you think that happened for a reason? Being that this man had leprosy, he wasn't even supposed to be near this man. And yet he touched him before he even prayed for him. My friend, you're not too dirty for the touch of Jesus. You're not too broken for the touch of Jesus. You're not too sexually immoral for the touch of Jesus. Your disease isn't too gross for the touch of Jesus. You haven't been abused so badly that you're beyond the touch of Jesus. You're never too unworthy for the touch of Jesus. There is nothing too dark, not even leprosy, that is too dark and too gross for Jesus to put his hands on. He wants to put his hand on you. He wants you. He wants you and he wants you right now. And then Mark says that he spoke, I'm willing, be cleansed. That's the other account in the the book of Mark, it says, I'm willing he be cleansed. And then finally it says, and, and after he spoke, he was healed. So right now, if you're sitting there sick, if you're sitting there depressed, if you're sitting there in fear, if you're worried, if your mind is getting the best of you, you're not too disgusting for Jesus. And I'm going to pray. I'm not going to pray first. I'm not going to rebuke the sickness first. As I'm talking, I'm going to ask Jesus to touch you. My hands are outstretched here. You can't see them. But they're outstretched here by faith. And as I'm stretching my hands, I actually feel the power of God flowing through them right now. 
like hot electricity. And I'm going to ask the Lord to put his hand on you as I stretch my hands out in faith. I'm going to ask the Lord to put his hands on you and then I'm going to give him just a moment and then I'm going to rebuke that sickness according to the word of God. And as this leper was healed by the touch and the rebuke, but through the, by the touch and the spoken word, you will receive your healing. So right there where you are, just sit right there. You can lift your hands to the Lord if you like. You don't have to. But I just want you to receive. You come to Jesus now. Say, Lord, heal me. That's all. Just say that. Say, Lord, heal me. Yeah, Father, stretch forth your hand now and touch the people. Put it on them. Put it on them. Touch the people. And let them feel your touch, Lord. Holy Spirit, do what you do. Be cleansed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. Be completely free in your mind in the name of Jesus. Be completely whole and healed in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for these miracles. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Thank you, Father. Wow, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Wow, what an amazing time. Yeah, let's just begin to thank him. Father, I thank you right now. Let's begin to praise him. Everyone listening, let's just begin to praise him and thank him for his word and his promise and thank him for the fact that it's done. Lord, we praise you that you're holy. We praise you that you're trustworthy and true, that by your stripes we are healed. In Jesus' name. I want to remind you uh, this week, or not this week, uh, next week, Jesus 17 is here finally. Get to Orlando. If, uh, if you haven't registered yet, there's still room for you. Jump on in. Jesus17.com has all the info you need. It'll be myself, Todd White, Daniel Kalenda, Benny Hinn, Marilyn Hickey, Sean Bowles, um, Ken Copeland, Brian Guerin, Eric Gilmore, Dave Papavisi. I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, so if I am, please forgive me. But Jesus Culture will be there. Jesus Image Worship will be there. Upper Room Worship will be there. It's going to be an absolutely amazing time. Four days of glorious presence, impartation, outreach. Orlando will be shaken and America will be shaken to the core. You want to get there. It's historic. The panel will be amazing with Sister Panea, Charismatic Nun, Pastor Benny, Ken Copeland, and Marilyn Hickey, interviewed by all of us young guys. It'll be absolutely phenomenal. You don't want to miss it. Okay, Jesus17.com. That's September 27 through 30. And be sure to follow me on Instagram uh, at Michael Koulianos. You can follow me on Facebook. And the ministry uh, page is Jesus Image. And you can follow my public page, Michael Koulianos, uh, on Facebook. And I'm also on Twitter at M. Koulianos. And Jessica's on all of them, and so is Jesus Image. So we love you, and uh, we're grateful for you. And we'll talk to you next time. Jesus loves you. Bye-bye. Ticket.
daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.